0: Okay, why want you open your Bible with me? We're going to just carry on where we were last week. We're talking about taming the tongue. The Bible says that no one can tame the tongue, uh, but uh, God can. God can when He changes the heart. And I uh, just want you to pick up where we were in Joshua 3, 5. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. And uh, it's got nothing to do with the tongue, really, but uh, it's just a fellow Scripture. God put him a hand in relationship to just speaking about this area. Joshua 3, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people... Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify or separate or prepare your heart, prepare your lives, for God desires to do unusual things, impossible things, miracles among you. Or another way of putting this, he's saying, Position yourself so that God today, so that God can do unusual and different things in your life tomorrow. Choices you're making today. Decisions you're making today are preparing your tomorrow. Now here's one of the interesting things on that story, that uh, they went from that place there into their first encounter in battle to possess the promised land, and do you know what God required for them to do? Say nothing. That actually mastered the tongue. I want you to think, sometimes we read the story, the Bible tells us in in Joshua chapter 6 that they walked around uh, the city of Jericho for six days, every day they went around it several times, every day they went around it, and no one was allowed to speak or to talk or to say anything. Now, I want you just to imagine what that's like. Here you are, it's your first conflict, this is is the the first battle in the promised land. This is a history-making battle. And the strategy that Joshua's come up is no one talks. And six days, they walk around. And the seventh day, they walked around it uh, seven times. And then at the end, he gave the command to give a shout. So for six days, they had to walk around. Now I want you to think what that is like for a man who's armed, who's, who's got shield and, and sword, and, and uh, they've got trumpets playing. He'd be thinking, what kind of battle is this? What kind of leadership is this? We just walk around the place. Every day they walk around it, they see how big the walls are, they hear the jeering of the enemy. Every day they're walking around it, and no one's allowed to say anything. No one is allowed to speak a negative thing. You can't say anything positive, well, at least don't say a negative. For, For six days, they had to walk around, and in that period of six days, they developed in their heart a vision of the city falling down. And on the seventh day, when they let the shout out, can you imagine the anticipation on the seventh day? And they go around it seven times, and then they all stop and face the city. And then the whole lot let out a shout seven days in the making, actually 40 years in the making. And a shout went out, and the Bible tells us that God heard this, and the walls fell down flat, and they went straight into the city. It's interesting. This is the first battle in the promised land, And they had to control the tongue. The very first encounter in the New Testament with the church, the Holy Ghost came on and they spoke in tongues and magnified God. God got a hold and control of their tongue. The tongue, it's a very little thing, but it says it actually controls the whole of your life. James 3 says like the rudder on a ship, it'll control where it goes. It's uh, like a bridle in a horse's mouth, it'll control where you go. I only have to listen to what you're saying and I can tell where you're going. Think about that. So we're going to just share a few words. I want to just uh, follow the theme of taming the tongue. And, uh, but I want to pick up today on some uh, diseases of the tongue. Some diseases of the tongue. And, uh, but first, let's have a look at just a couple more verses. I want you to have a look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And we shared last week that the words you agree with in your heart and the words you speak shape your future. Talked about a wedding, you get married, you had something in your heart, you come into agreement with, and then you spoke the words out, and there it is, you're hitched, you're hitched. You made a commitment, and there it is. So before you say the words, think it through. It's a good principle of success, think it through. Anyway, let's have a look in in, uh, chapter uh, 34 of Psalms, verse 11, come and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he's talking about having the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of success in life. And he says, who is the one that loves life and wants many days that he may say good? Or when he asks this question, who is it that would really love a great life and would like their days to be filled with many blessings? I guess that's everyone here and everyone here. And then he says, well, he says, deal with your tongue. Deal with the words you're saying, because the words you're speaking are shaping the world you live in. Relentlessly, day by day, they're shaping your relationships, they shape the spiritual atmosphere over you, they shape your destiny. So so notice what he says, he says uh, very clearly concerning the tongue, if you want a good life and you want to have good days, many days that you may see good, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And make a a depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. So it makes it very clear that there is a very close connection between the kind of life we have and the way we speak. Obviously, people who are very angry, very hasty with their words, they have a very poor life because all the people around them are in conflict and turmoil because they speak angry, hostile words. So the words we speak have tremendous power. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they impart or bring life to people. So your words... Are unusual. Your words have a capacity to change the spiritual atmosphere around you, to release the Spirit of God to move and to create a better future for yourself or to shut down your future and open the way for demons. A little later, when we begin to talk about releasing the power of God, you'll realize that the power of God is primarily released by words spoken. Last uh, term, we were doing a whole series on undercover. I really appreciate all who put their hand up and led a group. It was just I thank you for your commitment because it was just life-changing for so many people. But, but doing that and coming undercover, the whole purpose of that is to position yourself so you're in a place where you can begin to express the authority of God and change the world around you. And it's done in many ways, but the one we're looking at at the moment are the kind of words that we speak, the sort of words that you speak. And last week, we shared about different uh, pictures of what the tongue is like, and we found that the Bible described it in one place like gangrene. A poisonous tongue was like gangrene. We saw it was described like snake venom. We saw it described in one place in Scripture like rust. In other words, when the tongue is just out of control, it has, it's like a fire. It's like an arrow. It, it actually has power to hurt people. We saw that when the tongue is not controlled, then it has all kinds of dramatic and serious consequences in people's lives. But when the tongue is controlled, when we begin to yield our tongue and master the words we speak and begin to learn how to speak words that are God-given words, if we get into agreement with God and begin to speak the things God is saying about our life, our circumstances, our condition, our future, then we make way for God to move in those situations, and uh, you, you will be surprised, we talked about last week about coming to a point where we begin to fast off negative talk, fast off talk which is destructive, how many people had a go at that this week, There's a few. how many found it was a bit of a challenge actually? bit Of a challenge, you suddenly couldn't help that tongue going, <laughs> and what the words are at, you can't get them back again. That's the problem. So, I wish I hadn't said that. And, uh, and we, we don't want to be in that place of saying, I wish I hadn't said that, having to <coughs> cancel the power of the words and take them back and eat our words with a bit of humble pie. We don't want to do that. We want to learn to actually let our heart be changed so we can speak words that shift things. Uh, I've known people who have prayed uh, and commanded demons, nothing happened. And then when something came into their heart, and their heart was changed, they began to say the same sort of things, and the power of God was in their words. You must have words that have substance. And we're going to do just over two Sundays, I wanted to share with you some common things, which are very common. Actually, I thought, well, there's a lot of things in the Bible. I felt I'd take the ones that I personally have had to wrestle and break through, either because this is what's come against me, or because I've had the issue of my own heart and had to deal with it. I felt that would bring more life to do it that way. You can make a search yourself in the Bible of these things. Notice in Proverbs 21, uh, verse 23, whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his own soul from troubles. So you keep your own soul. So the words you speak not only create an atmosphere around you and affect the people around you, they actually affect your own life. Interesting, isn't it, that when Jesus, uh, when we got by the Holy Ghost, we got the gift of tongues, the gift of tongues, when you begin to pray in tongues, it actually edifies or builds your spirit man. If you understand the power of words and begin to start to speak into your own spirit, you begin to start to speak words in tongues, your whole spirit man become energized and full of life. So the words we speak have got tremendous power to change our life, affect us. You begin to speak words over your life. I'd never be able to do that. I can't do anything. I never get things right. You start to speak that kind of word over you. You then come into agreement in your heart with failure, and you make the way for demons to help you achieve your goal. It's, it's, it's very, very powerful. We need to understand this, this important principle. However, the, the, uh, in Proverbs 15 verse 4, look at this one. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit, a wholesome tongue. So the the tongue has the power to bring healing to people. You can actually speak words that bring healing to people. Touch their spirit, encourage them, lift them up. Well, imagine having a life like this where everywhere you went, the words you spoke lifted people up and gave them encouragement. Imagine deciding every day that I will speak words that will minister grace to people. I'll actually empower people through the words I speak. And even if they speak negatively, I'm not going to be defiled by it. I'm actually going to be proactive in, in, in changing this environment by speaking words that build. It's a choice. It's actually a lifestyle, a whole lifestyle. The Bible uh, tells us, uh, there's, there's, uh, I want to show you a verse in a moment, very, very powerful verse about our relationship. There's a number of them, but our relationship with God is greatly affected by the kind of words we speak. God listens to the words you speak. I want to show you this. And and have a look with me in in, uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 19. Proverbs 27, verse 19. The root of the issue is the heart. So if we're going to deal with the tongue, you've got to deal with the heart, what lies in the heart. But the tongue gives an indication what's in the heart. So the tongue's like the flag waving, (laughs) tells you what's going on. You listen to people talk, within a very short time, you know what's in their heart. So in Proverbs chapter 27 uh, and verse 19, look what it says here. It says, as in a water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Now, so he's using an illustration of a mirror. When you look in a mirror, you see yourself. You see exactly what you're like. You see the exact image. So you look at the mirror, hey, spots, huh, need a shave, huh, need some makeup. You actually see what you're like. And so the Bible says when you look into the person's heart, as the heart is, that's what the person's really like. So how are you going to look at the heart of a person? Very simple. The way you look into the heart of a person is you listen to the words they speak. If you want to see the heart of a person, listen to the words they speak. Look, have a look at Matthew chapter 12. We'll uh, read these verses here. In Matthew chapter 12, so if I want to know the state of a person, their condition, where they're at, what's going on in their heart, I've only got to listen to how they're talking and uh, the words they're speaking and then the feeling of those words, what, what sensation or impression the words leave me. It's interesting with people, they can, their words sound okay, but after you've been with them, you, you realize your spirit has been deeply affected. Something is wrong, you, just, you don't know what it is, you can't work out what it is But actually what's happened is you have picked up the flow from the inner man, their heart And if you can identify what you feel, then you'll actually discover what's in their heart See? Because words have a spirit capacity And so when we start to talk and speak words, and uh, some people carefully guard their words Their words are very carefully shaped and spoken and when you listen to the words, the words sound all correct, but when you feel what's in the words, you sense the person is hiding behind a wall of pretense. You're not meeting the real person, You're, they're projecting an image, a very carefully crafted image for you to connect with, so you know there's something not right in that person. The Bible says we we, we know people after the Spirit, not after the flesh, not after what we see. So you've got to learn to listen to people and to train yourself to open your heart to listen to the content of a person's words, and you'll you'll be amazed what you hear. If I hear a person praying, I listen to a person praying, I can tell the content of their walk with God. It just comes out and they're praying. If a person is intimate and engaging God intimately, when they talk, you'll feel in the spirit of it, you'll feel the content of their walk with God. That's why I was very clear. If you want to know what a man's like, don't look at the outside, don't look at the, the money, don't look at the, the car he drives, don't look at the house, don't look at anything, look at the heart. And how do you look at the heart? Well, here it is. You've got to listen to the words that are spoken. And Words give it all away. Look what Jesus said here and uh, he's ta- in verse uh, 34, he's rebuking the Pharisees, religious people. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart brings forth evil things. Let's just stop there for a moment. So he said, notice that whatever's filling your heart will find expression through your mouth. Thing, treasure are things that you hold, you value and you hold on to. Huh? So if you've got little treasures at home, you probably got them in a little box. Squirreled them away somewhere. They're treasures. Maybe you've got some papers, maybe you've got some jewellery, maybe you've got something that's really valuable, Something's given, handed down, you'll have squirreled it away and it'll be a little treasure. If anyone touches your treasure, you get upset. So everyone's got little treasures. But we also have treasures that we hold in our heart. Now they cannot all, they're not all necessarily good, but we still hold them in the heart and hold on to them. So for example, some people hold on to offenses. Now offenses aren't good things, but if you hold on to them, then they become the treasure of the heart and guess what must come out? Offenses Some people have been really deeply disappointed And they hold on to the hurt of their disappointment Their disappointment's treasured in their heart They hold on to that little thing And they buried it down Foreigner disappointment will be coming out of their words It just cannot help but come out Jesus said out of what's in your heart You will speak You will speak and declare Now notice what else he says He says that every idle word that a man speaks He'll have to give account for I may get on idle words next time around, but, but an idle word is a word that's empty or has no substance or value in it, it's just chatter. Now, notice here's the thing I want you to notice about it, that heaven is listening to every word you speak, and somehow every word you speak is recorded, otherwise, how would you give account for it? Now, Some people can't even give account for their money, let alone their words. How are you going to give account for your words? Now, that's a, that's a major thing. You think about this, that the words that I am speaking, all of them, God will remind me of them and call me to give account for what I've said. So even as a preacher, I'll speak words and then God will hear me speak the words and then he'll ask me if I was living the words and show the inconsistency between words spoken and words lived. Well, think about this, and see, not only do you give account before God one day, uh, but you actually give account on the way, because on the way, you begin to reap the consequences of the words you speak, so even words spoken in silent they have a way of getting out somewhere. <laughs> see, so our words are an expression of the life we have, your words are an expression of the life you have, so for many men, for example, they we, we struggle to speak words that build intimate relationships, because of being alone or being locked up or being shut down in our own world. So when a man lives in a a world where he keeps his thoughts, his heart and everything to himself, then what you find, he'll, he'll struggle to build intimate relationship because he hasn't got words or hasn't learned to express words. Often you find in meetings, men won't sing, they won't clap, they won't do anything, they won't express. But that's actually a sign of dysfunction because relationships are formed through words that have a substance of love in them. And so, uh, so, very clear. Now, let me, I want to share one more verse. I'm going to look at these diseases of the tongue. You're going to love these ones. And just see, you may find there's one that afflicts, afflicts you. In Proverbs twenty two eleven, look at this. It says, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. That's a good one, isn't it? He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips. Now, what does that mean? Well, Whatever's in your mouth, come out of your mouth is going to be a reflection of what's in your heart. So when we begin to cultivate purity in motive and heart and intent, when we begin to let the Holy Spirit show us where we need to make shifts and changes and we do it, and we begin to make a practice of speaking life-giving words. Grace means words that empower and build and bless people. The Bible says, Let your speech always be seasoned uh, be with grace, that it may build up the people who listen. So. It's, it's something we can begin to cultivate in our life is the words we speak, we speak to build people, to strengthen and to change what's around us. You can do that. It's a decision to do that. And notice what it says, that the person who does this, the king will be his friend. The king will be his friend. In other words, intimacy with God is deeply impacted by the way you speak to people. The way we treat others with our words, the way we speak to people around us deeply impacts our relationship with God. In Psalm 15, it tells us very clearly there, who shall abide in the hill of the Lord? He that clean hands, a pure heart, and then look at this, and then hasn't lifted up his soul to deceit and lying. Doesn't take up a reproach against his neighbor. Doesn't backbite with his tongue. Notice there's about three things with the tongue deeply impact the ability to abide in intimacy with the Lord and experience His power in our life. So if you are serious, if we're serious about enjoying the presence of God, carrying the presence of God, we have to put a guard about our lips. We have to actually deal with the things in our heart. Now, the Bible says no man can tame the tongue, so therefore God has got to help us in it. And man, He's willing to help us in it. And uh, I want to show you some things. First, first thing is you've got to know where He needs to help you. So we've seen then... If you want to know what a person's like, got to look at their heart, not at the outside. If you want to find out what's in the heart, listen to the words and feel the content of the words, and then you can begin to start to see what's really there. If you want to change a person's life, change the heart, what the person's holding in the heart. Now, I want to then look at, I want to look at three diseases of the tongue, very quick look at three diseases of the tongue, and we'll look at each disease, and I want to give you just this, what a scripture says about it and then an example of a person who did it, and then what is in the heart. There's always something in the heart drives it. So if you're going to change the, 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 the tongue, you've got to change the heart. You've got to come to grips with what we've got going on in the heart. Are you okay on that? All right, here's the verse one. See, now, when you go to the doctor, one of the first things he gets you to do? <laughs> 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 Open your mouth! <laughs> it gets there, looks at the tongue. He looks down your throat, looks at your tongue, and because uh, your tongue... You know, ever the furry tongue. Well, you know, if you're not well in your body, your tongue doesn't look good either. Ever look when your body's unhealthy? How bad your tongue looks. See, so even physically in your body, when your body's not well, your tongue looks grotty and smells bad, tastes bad, gets furry, gets horrendous. And uh, so, but the same thing in the spirit. When our heart isn't good, when our heart isn't sound, then the words we're speaking won't be either. So let me get the first one, the first disease of the tongue. See how far I get. Maybe I get one or two done today. But uh, we'll, just <laughs> we'll keep going with these because I just felt it's really a time. If you just look at it now and then begin to just decide, Lord, if this applies to me, I'm going to make a shift. Now here's the first one, Proverbs 6 and verse 16. Proverbs 6, 16. The 16. The first issue is the one of lying. Well, of course, some immediately say, well, that's not me. I tell the truth. So I'd, I'd like you just to remain open to the possibility that this might include you. And uh, these six things the Lord hates. Uh-huh. So God hates things. Now it's interesting, when you hate something, you define what you love. What you hate, you move away from. What you love, you move towards. So to hate certain things is really good. You hate certain things, you then move away from them, you stand against them, you shift them out of your world. So one of the things that, that, that God hates is a lying tongue. Look at this. These are six things that the Lord hates. Uh, seven are abomination. Proud look, a lying tongue. He hates a lying tongue. How about that? Verse. will just pick it up while we're there. Verse 19, a false witness who speaks lies and someone who sows discord among the brethren. Well, we could just stop at that point. But the Lord hates a lying tongue. David said, I hate lying tongues. The Bible tells us David hated what God hated. So he hated liars. Anyone lie? Now, of course, uh, to lie, you can lie in a couple of ways. many ways you could lie, I guess. But here's let me give you two things. To lie means literally you alter the facts so you deliberately misrepresent the situation. That's the most common form of lying. You just uh, tell something that isn't the truth. So, but there's another form of lying which is very much more subtle, which is far more common. So after you've been a believer for a while, uh, we would uh, hope that we're all moved away from lying. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth, you know, kind of wants us to tell the truth moment you tell something that's not right, he convicts you. That wasn't right. Uh, But the most common form of lying is when we withhold information to create an impression that isn't quite true. Given a bit of the truth, but not the whole truth. Given just enough to keep the situation nice, but not enough to really explain what was happening. That's the most common. In other words, where we give partial truth. Partial truth is a lie. Because it creates an impression in the other person that is not true. They believe something that's now not true. Most commonplace you find that is when someone sells something. They tell you all the great points, and they ignore the things that may not be right, and then you go and buy it, and then you're driven around the corner, and the next thing the gearbox drops out. well, had I not noticed that before? You know, you put, you're rubbing it down one day, and suddenly your hand goes through the side, there was all this rust that had been painted over. Just neglect, and that's why the Bible says, let the buyer beware, of course. But, uh, but when we deliberately, when we deliberately in our relationships with others, try to create an impression or to misrepresent what's really happening, that is a lie. That is a lie and God hates lying. It grieves the Spirit of God and so your words can hardly be empowered with the Holy Ghost if you practice doing that. And, of course, this is the one that's most common where people misrepresent. You know, young kids will do it, teenagers do it, adults will do it, where they don't quite tell the truth. Where are you going tonight? Oh, I'm going to so-and-so's, which is partly true, but actually from there we're going to somewhere else. So the parent says, oh, that, that's good, good Christian family from City, one of them. Well, I didn't know is you got, in, they got something else planned on the way. And so, so this is one of the most common areas, of course, where people misrepresent the truth. They only tell you half the truth, and you, you know, like you find, even when you buy, we're going to get on to this next year too, a lot of people who buy stuff, uh, you only get half the truth, it seems, when, they buy, when you buy the object about the, the cost of the finance. They don't always come up front. In fact, would you realise this? They've had to legislate so that people come up front with the real true cost of the finance, because the tendency is to misrepresent misrepresentation is a lie okay then so God hates the lie and so that's one of the issues we've got to deal with now there's a great example of it, because there's examples all through the bible it, great examples found in Genesis chapter 20 and uh, we find it with Abraham and Abraham was he's got a lovely beautiful wife she's been magnificently restored by the Lord been to one of Lynn's retreats and really come alive now but uh, she's not only got healed on the soul she's actually become quite a stunner and so here's this ninety year old woman, and now she's looking a stunner after God's done a miracle work on her. And Abraham gets a bit nervous, you know, if I, if this guy, this king that we're going to be staying with, if he's, he, he he'll he'll just kill me to get the wife. That tells you she must have looked good. You know, no man is going to be chasing after a very old 90-year-old woman whose, you know, kind of teeth are falling out and everything's up there, you know. You're not going to be chasing after that. And he was really scared because this, he thought the king was going to kill him to get his wife. So she must have really had a massive restoration job. True total makeover by the Holy Ghost. So he told a little bit of a lie. Now, it wasn't a complete lie. He just said, oh, she's my sister. And actually, there was a relational connection. So he didn't, he didn't quite lie completely. He just misrepresented. So the king thought, oh, this one's up for grabs and took Zerah into his home. And so what happened was he got struck down with a plague, he and everyone in the home, until God showed him, you're a dead man. You've got someone else's wife. He said, I didn't know. No one told me. And he went back and said to Abraham, what's this thing you've done? You lied to me. And he said this. He said, I was afraid. So, fear causes people to lie. It's one reason that people lie is because they're afraid. Another reason they lie is because of hate. The Bible says that uh, the, the person who, uh, uh, who lies hates the one and that, 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 that they afflict with the lie. So, you know, true love, we don't lie to people, we tell them the truth, we're talking with open wellness. So, so, the key heart issue here when people lie is one is fear fear of being truthful, fear of the consequences. One heart motivation for lying, misrepresenting the truth, holding back the truth is just plain fear, I'm looking out for myself. See, the second one is hate, where actually we lack love for people and we've got no hesitation to just tell them a lie. And another one is a hidden agenda, where we have a hidden agenda, we have something we're trying to accomplish and if we told them the truth they'd never buy in and so we tell them a part truth so we'll get them to respond and we get what we want from them. Now, we're getting close now, aren't we? There's an awful lot of that goes on, isn't there? So the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of Truth. So the first place for him to talk the truth is to us. The Holy Ghost wants to tell us. So what do you do? If you would ask the Lord to just begin to speak to you every time you misrepresent the truth or tell something that's actually creating some kind of illusion or misrepresentation, just begin to ask the Holy Ghost to do it. Believe me, the words will barely have got out of your mouth and he will tell you. That wasn't true. That's what he'll say, that wasn't true. Or he'll say, more bluntly, you lied. I tell you, it's quite a shock to get a slap on the face by the Holy Ghost when you've asked him to help you deal with your words, and you didn't quite lie, you just sort of, well, well, I'll tell most of the truth. (laughs) Yeah, most of the truth is still a lie, you know, because it doesn't actually take the full picture. So we see that those are the things of the heart. So therefore I want to deal with that. i am going to ask the Lord to help me get over the issue of fear, begin to really have a heart that's, uh, that loves and embraces the truth, embraces the truth of my own life, and then embraces the truth in speaking the truth to others. And of course some people aren't ready to hear the truth. You know, there was a Jack Nicholson movie, you know, and they were talking, and I was saying, Do you want the truth, you want the truth, said, you can't stand, you can't handle the truth. And of course some people in relationship aren't able to handle truth, they just They go bananas when you tell them the truth. And they just react and get angry and upset. You still have to tell them some point. But there is a timing in things. So just because we've talked about being truthful doesn't mean you have to go down, blab, and you've got to speak the truth in love. So in our relationships, our relationships are cultivated by speaking the truth. Think about this. If you lie to your spouse or lie to your parents or give things which are misrepresenting the truth, your relationship is going into darkness. You've left a whole area now where demons can come in to isolate you and afflict you. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 28, it says that He uh, says, We've come into an agreement with death and with hell, a covenant with death, and in hell we're agreement. Now, in other words, we've come into a binding agreement with demons. How? Because we made lies our refuge. We hid under lies and deceit. And you find whenever people. Uh, speak a lie, or misrepresent something, immediately demons are empowered by their agreement with the devil who's a liar. The Bible says, John 8, 44, the devil's a liar. The lies come from him. So when we lie, when we deliberately misrepresent something, deliberately tell a lie, we immediately come into agreement with the demon, and now he's empowered to further increase the web. And the interesting thing is, once you start down the road of lying, you've got to keep going there. And it gets more and more and more. You can't even remember what you said and what you didn't say. And then finally it all collapses. And you get caught out. And it's a disaster. And you're humiliated because you never just embrace the way which is right. God hates lying. He loves the truth. He's a God of the truth. And why don't we just, in our heart, just say, Lord, in this, Lord, help me now to just guard my lips that I actually speak and represent the truth. And that every time I misrepresent it, you'll convict me, show me, so I can get out and walk in the light very, very quickly. Oh, you all got quiet there. See, the truth sets you free. Right? truth sets you free. I can give you one more because I think it's got, I'll give time, four minutes to do one more. This one's a good one too. And it's an infectious disease. It's a deadly disease. Actually really breaks up families and churches and, and, and businesses and all kinds of things. Let me just give you one more. I'm up. There it is. And this one here. It's gossip and slander. Gossip. You knew that one was coming. Juicy Gossip. It says, the words of a tailbearer are like dainty morsels. They go down, but they wound you on the inside. They have an effect. So tailbearing, gossip. There's a bit of a difference between gossip and slander. I'm going to define the form. The first one, gossip. Gossip's when you talk about someone. You, you, you talk about them, and uh, you share their personal affairs. And, but, but here's the thing about it. It's always flavored by your interpretation of it. And when you tell someone, they don't just pick up the facts. They pick up your interpretation of the facts. So when we start to uncover what other people, what's happening in other people's lives and share it, what we do is we begin to create a defilement. We begin to defile the relationship, and end the, the person's name and reputation are run down. That's a horrendous thing. And magazines make millions on gossip, juicy gossip, all the women's magazines. Now, if you're going to fast off negativity, fast off every magazine that's loaded with gossip. Just start with gossip. Start with gossip and end with that do an end to it, get on the phone, did you hear about so and so, well if it wasn't edifying why did you tell them that, why did you go and share that thing, why did you uh, uh, share what was private see, see people, here's the thing is when someone shares with you something about someone else, you don't hear all the story, you, you hear what's in their spirit, you feel it and you're left with an impression and your facts aren't quite right because anyone knows if I start a story off over here and we spread it around, by the time it gets up here it's a totally different story. So what happened? See, people repeated what they thought they heard, and sometimes they hear out of their own heart. So if, if, you, if someone's got a snitcher with Bill, and I share them something about Bill, they don't hear what I said. It just reinforces what they already felt in their heart towards them. You understand? So, so gossip is horrendous. Now, slander is something different again. Now, slander goes a bit further. Slander deliberately misrepresents a person. So the the things that are spoken deliberately create a wrong impression about them, so undermining their character and reputation, their good name. So slander is a horrendous thing because when you slander someone, you are destroying their good name and reputation. You're actually taking something. If you took $100 from them, you can pay it back. But if you slander someone, you can't pay it back. You can't even fix it. It's a horrendous thing, slander, to slander someone, to speak and misrepresent them deliberately. That's what a slander is. And so in Psalm 15 and verse 1 and 3, it tells us if you want to abide in the presence of the Lord, don't get into backbiting or gossiping and don't take up a reproach. You'll start to agree with people about someone else's faults. Everyone has got faults. Listen, if someone comes to you with the faults of another, you've got a, a choice in a moment to shut it down and begin to speak something positive. If you don't, you lose your initiative. We're going to be empowered to actually create changes in relationships by shutting down things which destroy them and speaking in things that will build them. And so gossip and slander are just horrendous ones. We get on the phone uh, in Proverbs 11:13. 13, a talebear reveals secrets, but the one with a faithful spirit conceals them out So If you've got a faithful spirit, you don't go around blabbing other people's failures. You actually just keep them quiet. You don't advertise them. You don't shout them out. Even when Saul fell, David didn't rejoice over Saul falling. He, he, he actually mourned over it. So He didn't go around gossiping. He didn't go around sp- spreading stories, spreading rumors, all that kind of thing. Uh, in Proverbs 6.19, the Lord hates a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. God actually hates it. If you start to talk about a person and negatively affect their attitude, you're sowing discord and you'll reap something even greater in your own life. And God hates it. Just think about that. Every time you start to talk about someone negatively and they're not present, you're saying things that God is recording, that's being listened to in heaven, and you're starting to set something in motion that can move you forward or it can move you backward. You make the decision. These are very, very powerful. Anyway, I'll just finish it with this thing here. Uh, an example of it's Miriam. Miriam thought she had every right to criticize Moses because Moses married a black Ethiopian woman. So she got a tongue wagon and started to gossip about, "We see, this woman he's married, man, what kind of choice of a wife is that? You know, an Ethiopian? How come he marries an Ethiopian? Isn't anyone around here good? So they got gossiping and running him down. And God heard it. The Bible says, I've, God said this, I heard what you said. You should have had more respect for Moses than to speak about him behind his back like that. You got me upset now. And so Miriam walked away covered in leprosy. That's a story for us to get a lesson from. Don't go bad-mouthing people. Don't go bad-mouthing around. If you can't say anything, just zip the lip. Just better to zip the lip than to let it run away and get yourself into trouble. The hard issues usually are bitterness and pride. Bitterness and pride. When we're bitter in our heart, we will then start to run others down. When we've got pride in our heart, we'll speak and run people down. We delight in their failures and their weaknesses and shortcomings. If there's envy of another person, you'll be caught up doing this kind of thing. So the common heart issues are envy, bitterness, and pride. And so if we're going to deal with gossip and slander, then what we've got to do is deal with those things in the heart. Bring them to the Lord in a place of repentance. See, the Holy Ghost will help us. You don't have to really sweat on this one. He is a spirit of truth sent to lead us into truth. And so all you've got to do is say, Holy Ghost, begin to talk to me if I've got a disease of lying and I'm beginning to open the way for demons in relationships and relationships and misrepresent things and create a, a situation that's not real or not true. Lies inherently must fail because there's no substance in them. The truth inherently will stand because it's the truth that's got substance in it. Okay? If I'm a gossip, if I'm, get on the phone, and yabbity yabba yabbity, about others. Young people, guard your tongue, guard your mouth. Don't go running people down. Don't go listening to the stories you Someone comes with you, say, oh, Did you hear about so-and-so? No, I didn't. I don't want to hear if it's negative either. Why are you telling me this? Have you told it to them? Should we go to talk to them and see if it's true? Just stand up and actually don't become a garbage can for someone else defiling you. Normally, if someone comes with gossip, they'll test you out how open you are to hear it. And when they start to test you out, that's the time to make a stand and say, no, just put your hand up and say, no, I don't want you to speak about that person like that without them present. If you can't speak positively about them, please don't run them down to me. See, now, these are things in our culture that if we want to walk into a, into a different dimension with God, we just make a decision, I'm going to be a man of truth, I'm going to be a man who refused to gossip, I'm not going to allow this thing to be a part of my life. You say amen to that? And what happens is God comes on the person and we can abide in his presence. See, we're wanting to have a supernatural life in this coming year. Why don't we start to prepare the ground in our personal life for it to happen? Begin to start to speak words that bring grace to people. When I've done the other diseases of the tongue, I begin to talk to you then about how you release words that change atmospheres, how you release words that shift demons. There's a way to go about doing it, but you can't do it if you don't deal with these other things. Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are lifting us up to a new level. You're preparing us for greater things. We thank you, Lord, always there's greater things. This year's been great. Next year will be greater. We thank you for greater blessings, greater opportunities, a greater church, greater impact. We thank you in every area our lives will be greater, our influence will be increased. And Lord, we thank you right now, today, you're working in our lives to prepare us for that. Lord, we ask that the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace would be in our midst. And then, Lord, over these next weeks, you would come upon every one of us and convince us quickly if we're misrepresenting people, misrepresenting situations, misrepresenting the truth. Come upon us quickly and empower us to change so we come to a new level. Lord, if your ears hear us, Giving heed or passing gossip or slander, Lord, speak directly and quickly into our hearts that we might be convicted and immediately respond to put it right. Lord, lift us to a new level so our words will be like your words. We watch over them to keep them. Our words will carry substance of spirit and life. Our words will create. Our words will impart life to people. Our words will build better relationships and a better atmosphere around us. Lord, we believe you will lift us to a new level. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Say amen. Come on stand and stand give the Lord a clap let's stand and give the lord a clap come on let's stand and give him a clap he's a great and awesome